Now it's time for Brunel. Unleashed. Mike, 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 Mike. Woo-woo! Presented by ESPN New Hampshire and Dirty Water Sports. Shake it back! Brilliant! Here we go. All right, welcome back for another episode of Grinnell Unleashed presented by Dirty Water Sports and ESPN New Hampshire. Subscribe on iTunes or listen in at ESPNNH.com as well as DirtyWaterMedia.com. Interesting guest for today's podcast, but before we get to him, let me just say this guy's, he's one of a kind. Uh, I came across this guy a few years back and, you know, there wasn't really many guys that, you know, on Boston Radio that would tell the host, or callers on Boston Radio that would tell the host to stick it. You know, especially in particular, you know, this, this show that airs from 2 to 6 on, on Comcast Sportsnet every day. So, so let's, let's, let's introduce the man who, who basically tells your favorite Boston radio host to fuck off on a daily basis. Mike Curtis, also known as Mike from Woburn, formerly Mike from Attleboro. Mike, thank you for joining me on my mediocre podcast, and, you know, I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm actually flattered. Uh, um, yeah, just thanks. Mike, you know, I'm a big fan of your Bruins articles for RaysArmy.com, and, you know, that's why I had you on to talk today, but well, let's talk about what the fuck's going on down on Causeway Street, but, but first, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're a guy with 7,000 or so Twitter followers, you know, you have guys like, you know, Mark the Beetle Bertrand and, and guys like, you know, Felger, Maz, all those guys, they're all tweeting at you and, and, and whatnot, and so y- your rise to fame, or as you said, infamy, has been a... Uh, has been pretty fun to watch because, you know, you're not really like many other people in the media. Or I really wouldn't necessarily say, would you, would you say you're in the media? Oh, God, no. God. <laughs> no way. I am, uh, I am a happy accident, I would say, in terms of, uh, of how I've, like, gotten various different um, platforms to, uh, to basically just be a loudmouth, uh, you know, in, in – print and uh, you know uh on on the airwaves and it's it's fun that's it, that's the thing it's 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 not about you know um getting getting a job in radio i wouldn't last two seconds i wouldn't it would be it would be a very it'd be the the magic johnson show uh of <laughs> of sports radio uh it's just a fun thing it's an outlet for me um and uh you know it's uh like when I started writing uh, for for CSNNE uh, a couple years ago, I started the Twitter account, and I, I remember joking with some of the guys I play hockey with. I'm like, I'll be lucky to get like 600 people following me. I mean, if I get if I get a thousand people following me, I'd be happy. And I can't like I see my Twitter followers, and I'm like, I'm like these people are are you know I don't know what they're doing following <laughs> me, but God bless them. You know, no, you're a just, good Twitter just, follow. You tell them how it is. Fun. You know, it's fun. It's fun. I have fun. I have fun watching the games. I have fun tweeting stuff. Uh, you know, it's a nice little outlet um, when you can't get out with the boys as much as you want or you can't see your friends, you know, as much as you want. Uh, you know, it's it's sort of like uh, it's, you know, chatting at the bar with, with people, but, you know, you're in a bar with 7,000 other people that shoot right back at you. It's it's great. Exactly. You know, I had uh, I had Jared Carabas on last week on my podcast, and he, he said the exact same thing. He was like, I feel that, you know, during Red Sox season, that it's just a big open chat room for us to all bitch about our problems. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's fun, and you get that instant feedback, and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a good time. Some people take it way too seriously, and it's just, you know, 
like I, I laugh when when people like trash me. It's 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 like you know you get you get like roasted, you know. So it's like you're on Comedy Central sometimes. You say something stupid, and God, Lord knows I say plenty of stupid things on Twitter. So there's plenty of material that they uh, that they can pick apart. But uh, it's all in good fun. You know, speaking of people who say stupid things, let's let's talk a little bit about Felger and Mass, and you know. How did that all start? You just calling into them every day? Was it just kind of a coincidence? You know, you, you're driving home every day, or or did they really, you know, catch your eye and, and really piss you off or something? So you know, exactly when uh, the whole thing with Felger started when he left EEI. Now EEI was like the only show in town, and you didn't really have an option of of listening to anything else, and. You know, as a hockey fan, you know, we all know that, you know, the Bruins fans were, were basically a bit on that station and uh, not much else. And so when, when Felger went to 890 uh, way back, I, I don't know if it's 2004 or 2005, I forget, he would talk hockey. And it was a, it was a pain in the ass to try to get that station in. Like there were nights where you would get a AM station from Chicago over their signal. That's how bad their signal was. It was, it was horrific, but I would uh, try to listen to them. I would uh, download their pod. They had, you know, a podcast of the show, which was pretty, you know, innovative for the time, you know? Uh, And I would listen and he would talk to Bruins. He would talk to Bruins a lot and it was awesome, you know? And I really liked it. I really liked it. I thought he, he would give them a, a real fair shake uh, as opposed to the other people in town. And uh, also, you know, he would talk about other teams in specifically the Patriots in ways that, you know, you, you didn't get on EEI. At EEI, it was, you know, the pom-poms, as everybody, you know, commonly, you know, refers to the two to six show at the time with Ordway and Shepard and uh, um, uh uh, Diossi and Smurlis, and they, you know, the Patriots were really successful, so there was plenty of uh, stuff to root about. But, you know, th- there was something about having a guy that would, you know, sort of pick apart things that they that they did that weren't, wasn't exactly, uh, didn't exactly work according to plan, and that was refreshing. And so that plus hockey, I listened to him all the time. Now that show was... Uh, you know, sort of him starting out, and it was fun because there was just giant screw-ups. There was, uh, you know, a, a sort of wacky cast of characters over there, and, and they would always joke about, you know, their, the reads that they had to do and whatnot. And I would call in occasionally whenever I could get them in on my radio. That signal was the worst thing ever. It, and there was, like, this background hum to it. It was awful. Oh, trust uh, me. I know I deal with it up, up, up here with uh, 900 a.m. in uh, ESPN Manchester. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so he did that for a few years and I would call occasionally there. And then he went, uh, I think, I think, I don't know if they lasted long after he left or not, but I think maybe the writing was on the wall over there and he went to EEI to, to be like a fill in host and to write and he did a mailbag. And so I wrote him to the mailbag and, you know, he liked it and I wrote again and he liked it. And that's sort of where that sort of relation, it, it started more from the mailbag than me actually calling in. So I wrote like once a week in the mailbag and I would, you know, rip on whatever, or rip on Mike or rip on Tangway or, or something that happened. And it, it, everything sort of spiraled out of control from there. And, and the rest is, is history. You know, when he, once he started on the sports hub, I couldn't wait to call him because it was, uh, you know, it just, it was just fun to do, you know, it was like just ripping on somebody that you kind of knew because he would joke about it. You know, we were, I was one of the 16 listeners over at 890. So uh, I guess that's why he sort of has more patience for me than, than 
other people. He, he might think he, he might he thinks he owes me for for three years of salary over there, possibly. <laughs> so, do you think like when they don't when you miss a week when you miss a week, you know, you go on vacation or you know you're just busy. Do they do they ever say anything to you like, hey, Mike, what the hell? Why didn't you call in this week? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not that important. No, no way. No way. They're probably happy. They just don't, they don't have to listen to my, you know, you know, insane sentence fragment, you know, rambling screeds. Uh, and they get a, they get a week off. No, but I look, uh, I look forward to those, you know, rants that you do every week or every day. You know, I, I look forward <laughs> to that. I really do. You know, it, for me personally, I'm like, when I call in, I'm in the car. I am. Like probably aggravated for the, the the you know I used to commute to Attleboro and now I commute to Woburn and it's neither one of them are fun so it's <laughs> it's easy to get like amped up about something that that pissed me off the the night before in a, in a game so you know I'm I'm already agitated so I go from from you know zero to psychotic pretty quickly uh, normally it's not <laughs> it's not like that but in the car it just amplifies everything I swear I, I must look like the biggest psycho to people that are stuck next to me in traffic they're yeah. like what is this guy doing he is losing his mind on the phone that's what I was uh, going to ask you like when you're sitting in traffic do people like look over at you like why the I, hell is this guy freaking out on the phone right now they have to be they absolutely have to be because i'm not i'm i'm my voice is not modulated at all my windows might be up but i'm sure they hear me unless they have their own radio on but it it, it must it must look like i'm literally having a nervous breakdown when i'm talking to uh you know, on the phone, it's, it's, it's got to, it, they must, I'm surprised there haven't, hasn't been somebody taking a, a like a, a phone picture of me go and, and posting it on the internet going, who is this whack job? Yeah. And, I'm surprised that hasn't been on mind? Barstool yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Give Rear Admiral some material. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, so let me ask you about, uh, you know, another frequent caller on, uh, you know, the Boston Airways and, you know, in particular, Felger and Maz Carlton from Norwell. What do you think of this bonehead? Uh, you know what? He, he is very, um, polarizing. Uh, I, I, I think he's, he, you know what? He's got a good shtick. He, he hates the Patriots and he comes up with these, you know, Pelican brief type, uh, conspiracy theories. And, you know, uh, I hope one of these days he's actually right. Uh, you know, and he can, he can crow about it, but, uh, you know, he was saying that the the Jets and the Cowboys were going to be in the Super Bowl, that the Jets were going to win the AFC East, that, you know, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to do, you know, all these great things. And, you know, none of that, none of this stuff sort of pans out. Uh, I, I think he's a, he's fun. To, he's fun to have on the radio because he, he gives you that sort of guy that you can be like, oh, I hate this guy. This guy's such an, uh, an a-hole. What is he talking about? Why does he say this stuff? You know? He's a he's a good villain. Bill uh, Jim, Jim Murray uh, calls him just like the 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 apex villain of sports radio. He comes on. He 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 gives his minutes worth of of anti patriots venom, and he he gets out, and everybody's in a you know a snit because of it. And uh, you know I don't agree with what he says. I think he I think most of the stuff he says is is complete you know jackassery but uh it, it's 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 fun to it's fun to go back and forth about uh, he's he's a, probably a good guy too and and the station benefits from things like that you know when when a guy calls in like that and he starts pissing everyone else off that drives calls up and you know that's what the station wants oh absolutely absolutely plus 
plus, you know, Mike and Tony can take a half hour off after he calls. You know, they don't have to do any of the trolling. <laughs> so, but Charlton, he does call for, and then it's just it's just damage control after that. Uh, no, but it definitely it definitely likes to fire under people, and they wanna they wanna get in and they wanna get their their two cents in about why Carlton's wrong. All right, Mike. So let's let's switch it up here and let's talk a little bit about you know what the fuck is going on down on Causeway Street right now because. Frankly, I have no idea, you know, what what's going on down there. A week ago or, a, you know, a week and a half ago, this team was in first place, you know, sitting pretty, going into the playoffs. Now there's a chance that they're not going to get in. I mean, what the hell is going on? Uh, um, you know, if I had all the answers, uh, I'd be working somewhere in, um, in some team's front office. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and, you know... <laughs> Despite despite my uh, proclamations on Twitter, God knows I'd be a, a freaking unmitigated disaster doing that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really think that it stems from them not being able to play Claude's system uh, with the current cast of defense that they have. You know, Chara and Seidenberg past their prime, a bunch of young guys. Uh, and you know some some you know some decent players, but who, who are more more suited for like third pairing roles, and and that's your your D. I mean, you really don't have a top pairing guy that you can count on in the regular season, let alone in the postseason when 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 people shorten their benches. You know, um, you know, like Chicago, they won their last cup with with basically two defensive pairs. You know. Uh, if you if you had to shorten the Bruins bench like that, they they would be they'd be toast. Chara would be would be in an ambulance. There's just the guy cannot put up the the half an hour of of playoff ice time that he used to, and it's it's not his fault. This is this is what happens to any 39 year old player who who keeps himself in as good a physical condition as he do, you know as he does it's just father time cannot be uh you know <laughs> you you can't out treadmill father time he's going to catch up to you so is it personnel um, are you saying it's personnel or are you saying it's more coaching i i think it's personnel i think that I they just don't have the skill on the blue line um and the 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 guys that you know can execute the I mean the, the the signature games for for the Bruins when they were you know a perennial contender were you you beat down a team for two periods and then you choke a game out in the third and nobody gets you know you don't give up those third period leads I can't count how many times they've given up leads in the third to teams that aren't you know playoff caliber teams that uh, that you know they've had multiple collapses you could probably count on one hand the times that that happened between. Uh, 11 and say 14, you know, um, and I don't think that's on the forwards totally. I think the forwards, you know, they don't get ice time unless they are doing what Claude wants them to do, which is back pressuring, you know, supporting the D. I think that you you see the the, the major thing that I see with this team in terms of that, that shows you the difference uh, in the quality of the defense is the proximity in which teams are scoring goals now. They are scoring right on the doorstep, and they're not paying. There's no price being paid for these guys. You see it night in and night out. Teams just are camped out in front of of Tuca, and he's just 
there's only so much he can do. There's only, I guess there's a high danger save stat, and I'd be really interested to see where the Bruins rank in that stat versus other teams because from, from the, the amount of, of goals that are scored from in close that the Bruins have, I, I think they'd be really high up in that, in that stat as opposed to the rest of the league. So if, you, if the Bruins do end up you know, screwing this up royally and, and not getting into the playoffs, you think Claude Julien you know, gets the boot? I I think Claude is is gone because he's the easiest guy to get rid of. He's the scapegoat. In terms, he he is he would be the scapegoat because this 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 season would not be on him. This is on this is on uh, you know the personnel that he was given. You know you you can't give uh, you know a, a, a so isn't that artisan. Cam Neely? Isn't that shouldn't yeah, be on Cam, Cam Neely? Cam. It's Cam now. I mean, Cam has this is the, this. If they miss the postseason, this will be the second season in which they've misdiagnosed what they had at the deadline and what they needed to be, which was a seller. Uh, I thought they needed to be a seller last year when when we heard Shirelli say, you know, prices are, are astronomical. Well, if prices are astronomical and you can't get what you need to fix your team, then you sell. It's it's really not a hard decision, but you know as we found out after the season, they had constraints on Shirelli as to what he could and couldn't do, from like I guess like November or December till the end of the season, and and you know and that's from Neely, and that makes me think well if if you didn't trust him to do the whole job, why did you put him on basically double secret probation? Why didn't you get him the fuck out and let Sweeney have his sort of interim GM? Uh, you know, sort of, you know, tryout period, see how he does and, and go from there. Because if Sweeney needed to sell at the deadline, he wouldn't have been in the same position that Shirelli was, which was to save his job and, and make the, the postseason. Sweeney could have actually looked at this team, you know, and said, you know what, we're not a contender. We need to capitalize on some assets right now and cash in on a market that is is just, you know, guys are there were ones going for everybody last year. You know, and so this will be the second season where if they miss the playoffs that they've misdiagnosed this and they, they didn't get anything for Louie. You could you could absolutely get something for Tory Krug who to a contender, Tory Krug would be a great piece to have. Uh, he's restricted, so you still control him going into next year. And, you know, a, a contender theoretically would have two good D pairings, and Krug could fit into the role that he's best suited for, which is third-pairing power play specialist. Uh, it, th- those guys, you know, in, 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 uh, historically bring a lot on at the deadline. You know, if, if they do... Um, you know, screw up, and, and Claude does get fired, like you mentioned. I, there's been some rumors, you know, floating around today. I know Pete Shepard brought this one up on the air that, you know, Teddy Donato could be the next coach of the Boston Bruins. Um, you know, Har- he's a Harvard guy, obviously, like Don Sweeney. Um, all these, you know, Jimmy Vesey rumors, you know, it could have been not a package deal. I don't know if they would actually do something like that, but, you know, Teddy Donato could have been in Jimmy Vesey's ear saying something along the lines of, you know, I might be the next coach of the Boston Bruins. You know, first off, how do you feel about Teddy? And, you know, do you think he would be a good replacement for Claude? Yeah, absolutely he could. I mean, this is the this is the thing that I, I mention to people when they talk about getting rid of Claude is, is, all right, well, who do you want that's out there? You know, because all these guys, they're they're all question marks to me. We, we never know how these guys are going to perform when they, when, you know, when they get their their first gig in in the pros, you know you could stumble across, you know the next you know Joel Quinville, or you could end up with a, you know the next Robbie Fatorik and and you know be looking for another guy 
you know, like, like Shirelli was after Dave Lewis, you know, after a year, you know, where you just, you just get a guy that doesn't fit, that doesn't work, that, that, that you know, he, his, his philosophies don't transfer to the pro game. Uh, so getting rid of a coach, the caliber of Claude comes with a significant amount of risk for, for, you know, whoever's making that decision. And that's why, you know, it's easy to say, you know, well, Claude's going to be scapegoated if they don't, if they aren't successful this season, but, you know, Try, scapegoat and Claude comes with a lot of risk. Yeah, and and something I've always been you know harping on is all right if we're gonna if you know if they're gonna fire Claude, who are they gonna hire next? Because I don't want to hire you know Bruce Cassidy from the AHL. I want someone new in here you know with a new system. And you know I think Teddy Donato could be that guy. Yeah, you know I, I'm if if that happens, I you know I I just hope they find somebody that that can. Uh, you know, best make use of the talent that they have, you know, and, and sort of has a, uh, a, a good long view uh, approach to what, uh, to what this team needs, which is sort of, of player development and, you know, um, uh, a easing the reliance on, on veterans who are aging like Char and Seidenberg. You know, I, <laughs> there are people that were suggesting saying like, Oh, you know, if they fired Claude last year, they could have got Tortorella. This team would be ground to a nub if they got a guy like Tortorella at this point. They yeah, would, to- there would be nothing left of them, and who knows who you you would alienate in the process? Because that's the that's the hallmark of Tortorella. Wherever he goes, there's about a third of the roster that is a casualty because either they a they don't get along with him, or b they can't execute on a night to night basis. The the kind of you know. Uh, professional, you know, suicide that he demands of these guys in terms of, you know, the physical toll that they have to pay on a night in and night out basis. Yeah. If John Tortorella was the coach of the Boston Bruins, that that would be a train wreck, an absolute train wreck. It would be entertaining, though. We would have stuff to talk about every day. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be it would be soundbite city. But I mean, Bergeron would be would be toast because he'd be out there all the time. Uh, and and God knows what would happen to a guy like Krejci, who you know is he seems like he's struggling with an injury right now. Uh, if Tortorella was was telling him you need to you know be more physical, you need to block shots. I mean, who knows if if you know David tunes him out and then you know we're dealing him for for scraps. You know, I mean, Tortorella is a very da- that's the kind of dangerous hire that I'm afraid of, which is a guy that gives you sort of an an instant return initially because he's such a culture shock and and he sort of his he demands so much uh, of so many guys that they want to you know appease him at the beginning but it's just not sustainable over the long term and he he costs the franchise mike so as you know rumors are swirling around the bruins and you know north redding's very own jimmy vesey i've been saying for you know since since i think last year when he decided to come back for his senior year that I think the Bruins could make a run at him. I think the Bruins could have a chance with him. I mean, this is a kid who grew up in Boston. He, His father played in Boston in 91. He went to school in Boston for four years, declined millions of dollars to stay in Boston for another year of, of bus rides and, and dorms and you know cafeteria food. I always thought this kid was possible. Now you have guys like Bob McKenzie saying, and and you know Steve Harris of the of the Boston Herald saying that you know this is a high possibility now that that VZ comes to to Boston. So do you think that 
VZ will be in a Bruins jersey next season because, you know, there are those swirling rumors about his father up in Toronto. I know they, they drafted Nolan, his younger brother. You think VZ will, will be in the black and gold next season? Uh, I don't. I, I can't give you any insider tips on it, but, uh, God, I would love it. I would love it because it would just represent, you know, just a, 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 a paradigm shift in how this team does business in terms of uh, acquiring, you know, sort of, you know, good young talent you know there was just under Shirelli there was that period where he just had nobody coming up through the system there was no no hope to you know from in Providence and and there really wasn't you know anybody that aside I think from I think Krug was the one uh you know college free agent that they signed that made an impact and if you can get a guy like that uh, who is a, from all reports, just a, a would fit in perfectly, two-way forward, scoring touch, you know, mature, uh, you know, top six potential guy. It would be a boon. It would be awesome. I would, I would, I would love it. You know, uh, I mean, this is what this team needs right now. They need an injection of young uh, talent that that is NHL ready because, you know, the, the old system of, you know, rolling the, the, you know, of, of what Shirelli did with, you know, uh, re-signing bottom six role players because they, you know, they, they fit, you know, just we're in that, we're in the position we are now because of that. And we need uh, a, a new sort of, you know, approach that, that finds this type of talent, however you can get it. And if you can poach it from Nashville, even better. I love it because exactly. it doesn't cost them anything except money. So, I mean, the, the Bruins have some left-wing depth, you know, with, with Brad Marshai and Bileski, um, Louis Erickson, and even Frank Vetrano. They have some, you know, left-winger depth. But, I mean, of those four names I just mentioned, one of those guys is going to command a lot of money this offseason. And, you know, chances are he's not here. And I'm talking about Louis Erickson. I don't think Louis Erickson's going to be in the black and gold next year. And to be honest, for the money that, you know, he's rumored to be commanding, I don't fucking want him here. I really I really just don't. I don't want him here. I don't think he's an impact player. I think he's a good player. I really do. I think he's a good player. He can give you, you know, 20 or so goals and, and play that, you know, penalty kill power play role for you. But I just don't think... Think he is an impact player. I think Jimmy Vesey can come in here next year and fill the role that Louis Erickson plays because Vesey's a great, great two-way player. I think Vesey can come in here next season and fill that role that Erickson played for us for millions less. Yep, and and it's unfortunate that we're that we won't really get anything aside from whatever they trade Louis's negotiating rights for, which will probably be like a, a sixth or a fifth if we're lucky. I mean, you, you know, you you basically said it. Louis is a a very nice complimentary piece to have. If you're a contender, you want a guy like Louis Erickson if you can fit him under your cap. Louis Erickson is not a guy that you build around. The, the Dallas Stars, you know, basically said that when they traded him to get Tyler Sagan. You know, he's a guy that that puts you over the top. He's not a foundational guy. I mean, you know, he's he he. Uh, the guy that I compare him to is Jason Pominville. And, and you don't think, if you don't think that Minnesota regrets giving Pominville all that money, you're crazy. They're both very similar players. They're, they're, they're two way forwards. They're skilled. Um, you know, they're, they're very good, you know, defensively, but ultimately they're not, you know, the difference makers that they need to be to justify their salaries. So now seeing and, where, okay, keep going. I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, seeing where the Bruins are going here 
in, in how they're about to finish the season, doesn't this make you look back and say, well, shit, I would have taken a second round pick. I didn't need two second round picks for Louis Erickson. I would have taken right, one. Exactly. I would have taken anything. Exactly. Can you give me a, a second that conditionally will become a first based on your your playoff um, you know accomplishments? That's been the the sort of uh, in vogue trade you know um, uh, currency you know recently where teams will say you know you know you give us a second, but if you make the conference finals, it becomes a first. Was, was that even like bandied about as an option for Erickson? You know, and and if not, well, I'll take a second and a really good prospect. And even if I can't peddle that for something right now to help the defense, I've got Frank Vetrano. I'll bring him up. If he gives me 60 or 70% of what Erickson can give me, I'm fine because now I know that I have two pieces to fix the defense in the offseason. And if I'm being completely 100% honest about my team's chances in the playoffs, we're not more than a first-round team. So holding on to him isn't going to help us. I think that's what the Bruins' biggest problem is, is not understanding the team you have. And you've said it a couple times now. They've misdiagnosed a team at the deadline the past two seasons. I feel like they have this almost fanboy mentality that, you know, some of us Bruins fans have that, you know, hey, maybe if we get into the playoffs, we can go on one of these crazy runs. It's not fucking happening, Don Sweeney. It's not. They're not good enough. No, they're not. They're, they're not. They're not. They are not the uh, the the 2012 LA Kings. They're they're not that team. They are a fringe playoff team. And if you can't uh, see this, if you can't look after 82 games or not 82 games, because if you after 50 games, if you can't look at your organization and see that, then then you know you're you're not being completely truthful with what you have and your there's some there's got to be some ulterior motive for for that reasoning is it they is it are we back to the the 80s and 90s where the Jacobs family just wants the the extra playoff gate it, you know i would hate to think so but i mean it seems like they 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 were mandated through hook or crook to get to the playoffs this season and holding on to Erickson and overpaying for for Stepniak and and John Michael Lyles makes me think that there's there's a you know it, it, maybe it's even coming beyond uh, Cam and Don the the mandate to make the postseason and that scares me because God I I do, I do not want to go through the 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 you know the Harry Sinden era uh, you know just just cheaping out on 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 you know good cores that happened you know as I was growing up Mike so before I let you go here. Um... What is a good offseason for you? What is a good offseason for the Bruins that, that you will be satisfied about come next October? Uh, a trade to get a true top four defenseman, ideally a top pairing defenseman. I don't care what they have to give up, but you need something uh, on the blue line that pushes Chara down in terms of you know what his role will be going forward, Zdeno Chara going forward, in my opinion, needs to be a second pair shutdown guy, and you need somebody that um, that like I I lust after Colton Pareko in St. Louis. I think he's just a massive guy who plays good D. He's a puck mover. You'll never get him from St. Louis, but that's the kind of guy I want. I would love to see them go hard after a restricted free agent like uh like Dumba like um like uh Brodeen, like uh like um one of the guys from uh 
from Anaheim and just and just try to just say, you know, look, look, we're, we're investing in the D. We're, we we made a lot of picks last year. Um, I wish they had more ammunition that they've got, you know, from selling at the deadline this year to do it. But, you know, if they have to give up their pick or the San Jose pick or a combination of picks to do it, they really need to bring in a guy who can give you, you know, elite minutes. Uh, maybe elite is overstating it, but but very good you know, top four minutes on the defense. That needs to happen. All right, Mike Curtis, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike from Woburn. Read his stuff at Ray's Army. And Mike, you still write for CBS Boston, correct? Yes, I do. Yeah, so you can read his stuff at CBS Boston, Ray's Army. Follow him on Twitter at Mike from Woburn. Mike, thank you again for coming on with me. Mike, thank you very much for having me. I'm uh, I'm still flattered by it, so uh, I appreciate it. We'll have to do this again soon. Absolutely. All right, Mike, thank you. Thank you. All right, that concludes episode number three of Grinnell Unleashed, presented by Dirty Water Sports and ESPN New Hampshire. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen in at ESPNNH.com and DirtyWaterSports.com, Dirty Water Media as well. Special thanks to Mike Curtis, also known as Mike from Woburn, Mike from Attleboro. Listen to Mike daily, sticking it to your local Boston radio host. Follow him at Mike from Woburn. Follow me at Mike Grinnell underscore. This is Grinnell Unleashed, brought to you by Dirty Water Sports and ESPN New Hampshire. Thanks for listening.